You found us. I'm Riley. And I'm Kristen. Let's hunt for some treasure. Welcome to Treasure, a podcast about all different kinds of treasures and hunts. And each week we'll take turns presenting a treasure hunt to the other. So this week I'm presenting and Kristen will be hearing all of this information for the first time right along with you. Check out our Instagram at Treasure Podcast, where we post photos and extra info related to our discussions. If you have any personal gems or if you'd like to send us on a specific hunt, reach out at apodcasttreasure at gmail.com. Your story could be featured on an upcoming episode from our listener, Treasure Trove. All right, Kristen, have you had any personal treasures since we last spoke? Yes, I found the coolest thing, and it kind of reminds me of a scene from Pirates of the Caribbean, but this is what I found, a wax seal stamper, and it has like a little furnace that like melts the wax for me in this tiny spoon, and I have these like golden wax beads, and I can like seal all my envelopes shut, and so I got them for my new studio, because I'm like mailing out opening day I things love that, Kristen. <laughs> and like with you making invitations I oh thought my gosh really I love like that. it but yeah on Etsy they have like anything I got like a letter k scripty one so I can like personalize my thank you cards and then I got a little it's like a baby's breath thing um to seal like when I wrap up the client photo prints that and like put the ribbon around it and fabulous stuff. idea can, like, put the final little stamp with the baby's breath. I just want it to feel luxurious. Yes, and that is so luxe. Like, breaking open a wax seal is just, like, pure bliss to me. <laughs> I, that is so cool, Kristen. Thank you. Yeah, and my goal is to eventually, you know, in Pirates of the Caribbean, when that guy, I forgot his name, but we all hate him, he has that ring and he, like, seals the stamp shut. That's, like, my goal in life is to have, like, oh, a yes. signet ring with my stamp on it. That's what I want. That's what yeah. they have. That's like a big thing. That's like a very historic yeah. thing. And I oh figured God, out how I want to one of those um, now too, Kristen. I know. Jeez. And I figured out how to like make paper from like a paper pulp and like I just I'm making like all this stuff and I'm going to give it to my clients. All this handmade stuff and I'm so pumped about it. Anyway, what about you? Okay, yes. My personal treasure is I have finally finally begun using my planner that my dear mother-in-law got me for Christmas. It's from Clever Fox. Awesome. And it's the Daily Planner Premium Edition. Ooh. And, I mean, it's really intense. My favorite part about it is it has these, like, three ribbons at the top that you can use as placeholders. Oh, nice. Also, uh, Clever Fox sponsor us. Thank, Thank you. you so much, Clever Fox. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Shall we get into the story? Let's go. I'm okay. so excited. Kristen. Yes? <laughs> I'm so excited, too. I would like you to close your eyes. Okay, I'm closing up. Imagine you and me walking into a mediocre-looking estate sale or like a <laughs> eh, auction house, like kind of like an iffy one. Okay. We see a painting that catches our eye. It's $1,000, but we are feeling bougie, feeling good and we splurge. 
We think, what the heck? Let's buy this. So we buy it. So how do you keep your eyes closed? I'm closing. But how do you feel right now? I feel great. I feel, am I supposed to be scared? Like, is it a, a dingy place or is it fine? Oh, no. You don't have to be scared. I'm just Okay, wondering. yeah, yeah. I Are feel you feeling about great? This. You're feeling I good? will spend any amount of money on art. I don't care. I love art. I'm yeah. Well, a thousand bucks, artist. though, is pretty a lot. It's a little, it's kind of a lot. Yeah. So know. it's like, we're good. kind of like sweating, kind of deeply regretting our decision, but also like really loving what we just did and being like, yeah. yes, look at us. Okay. So what if I told you that the painting we just bought for $1,000 would end up selling for the highest price that any piece of art has ever sold for in the oh history of the modern gosh. world? <laughs> okay, you can open your eyes. This is die. where our story begins. I would die. Did this happen to someone? Yes! If that happened to me, I literally, I don't, I can't even, I can't even fathom what I would do. Wait, don't even tell me it was one of the old masters, like the painters. Tell oh. me. Who is it? Who's the painter? Sweets. Sweets. Let's get into this. Okay. So you know me. I love a good treasure hunt, obviously. And this is a story about real treasure hunters. This is a hunt for the truth, trying to find a gem in the deep, dark, kind of terrifying art world, and the sale of a painting, an alleged piece by Leonardo da Vinci himself, and sold at oh Christie's God, for $450 million. <laughs> oh, my oh my gosh. Okay, so when I was in the National Gallery of Art this one time, um, there was a Da Vinci on display and it was a double-sided canvas. So they had it in like a glass cube and you could walk around the front and the back and see both sides of the painting. And I was literally crying. My face was like so splotchy and red and all these people were looking at me and my family wouldn't go in there with me because I was crying. And I was like, you people don't like, understand what this is. <laughs> yes. And okay, it was so just wait, so hang on. incredible What's to a, see I'm sorry. that. What is a double-sided painting? He painted on both sides of the canvas, on the front and the back of it. There were like two paintings on one piece of canvas. That's crazy. Yep. It is. Um, it's called... Ginevra da Vinci by Leonardo Text da Vinci. Text it to me or something. Oh, my gosh. And it looks like reminiscent of the Mona Lisa. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Here we go. Okay, so, yeah, I was crying my eyes out for the right reason, and I saw this in person, and it was literally the hair on the back of my neck still stands up thinking about this. Just, like, the painting. feeling that you got from it. It It's incredible. Oh, I got I got it It was life-changing. I think about it all oh, the time. Oh, 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 my gosh. Kristen, this has to do with our story. Does it really? <gasps> it sideline ties into our story. Oh my gosh. This just got a thousand times better to me. Yes. Okay. So Kristen, do you know what a sleeper is in regards to art? A sleeper? Is that like a, no. Is it a dead person? <laughs> no. Um, a sleeper is a painting that the auction house or wherever it's like being sold doesn't yeah. recognize it as being valuable. So 
but it actually is, meaning it was made by a different artist than the auction house thought, or that the painting you see could be hiding a highly sought after painting that is under layers and layers of other paint that someone painted. So like someone painted over it? Exactly. Yes. Oh my gosh. I cannot imagine painting. Oh, can you imagine seeing like the work of like Titian and being like, I'm just going to paint over this to disguise it. Like I'd rather dig a mine shaft a thousand feet into the earth and put it in there. I, like I can't, I can't <laughs> imagine just taking paint to that. Yeah, it would be pretty bad. And then I guess what they would later on plan to, or they were planning on later on like dissolving like it off, all the layers off to reveal the painting underneath. I don't know what they thought was going to happen. But anyways, okay, so finding a sleeper is a dream come true to these people who are called sleeper hunters and me and you and our listeners because this is treasure. Yes, Oh my gosh, my blood is on fire to go sleeper hunting. Yes. <gasps> I know, me too. I found out about this treasure from a documentary called The Lost Leonardo. Have you seen this? Do you know about I've this? I've not seen it. I have not, and I don't know about it, which is surprising because okay. I have literally a thousand books on Leonardo da Vinci. <laughs> well, this is a really good documentary. I watched it originally on a Prime video. And I had to pay for it then, but now you can watch it on Stars if you have Stars. Just like giving that info to our listeners because I highly suggest, yeah, everyone watch this. And um, I am gonna let you watch some of these clips Ooh. in a minute, but okay. I don't know if we can actually play them like the audio on our podcast. I don't want to get like oh. Like copyrights. Exactly. Okay. Uh, but I'm still going to let you watch some of them. And I literally recorded it on my TV, like with my phone. I like stood in front of the TV with it recording because I could not figure out another way to do it. Gotcha. I also read a ton of articles about this from Time Magazine. Uh, there was an awesome website called theartstory.com. I don't know if you've ever looked at that, Kristen, but no. you would love that. <gasps> I also used artdex.com and the Christie's website. The story begins, as I described, in 2005, a guy named Alexander Parrish, who is a quote-unquote sleeper hunter, saw a painting of Salvador Mundi, which was labeled Salvador Mundi after Leonardo da Vinci. Like someone made a master copy of Da Vinci's work? Yes. So he saw this painting come up for auction. Okay. For $1,000 in a New Orleans auction house. Oh my god! He claimed to have had a feeling about this piece. And he called up his really successful like art bud. His name is Robert Simon, who is described as an old master's dealer he just deals with a lot of like buying and selling of like famous famous work exactly okay and um i just feel like it's just the coolest job to ever have in the history of the world you know what i mean that's the dream job the absolute dream job and it's like the art finds you like this guy yeah oh my exactly. gosh i okay love sorry it. okay Continue. i want you to look at some of the portraits done of salvador mundi okay 
And Salvador Mundi is Latin, and it means savior of the world. And he is commonly referred to as Jesus. But there are so many renditions of this. So describe for our listeners what you're seeing. Okay. I thought Salvador Mundi was the artist. I was confused. Oh, Okay, so Salvador... Salvatore Mundi is the subject. It's the name of the painting. Exactly. I am looking at four pictures of like a portrait style painting, kind of like bust up. One is like legs up. All four are of a single figure, supposedly Christ. He's doing the like benediction sign with his hand in all four paintings, making eye contact with the viewer. There's like a cross in three out of the four they're holding something. Yeah, they're all holding something. And he looks very in the in the bottom two, he's got like the glory halo. Yes. Definitely lots of fabric. Looks very, I would say, the colors and textures used in the day represented like royalty and, you know, something special about him. The bottom two definitely look like he's seated on the throne. I mean, Kristen, I am telling you there are so many of these Salvador Mundi depictions and I don't know why I've never heard it called that like in all of my art history class or maybe I did I just don't remember but okay yeah but I've seen like you're saying a million bajillion of these yeah exactly like when you think of Jesus Christ himself this is kind of an image that kind of just comes up in your brain yeah and they're all holding different items in their one of their hands I think about half of them that I've seen have that um halo the halo yeah glow thing so not all of them have that interesting okay so you can scroll now okay here's a photo of the painting that these guys bought for $1,175 at an auction in New Orleans. And then they had it shipped to them in New York City. I would never put that thing on any kind of shipping carrier. I would put it in my suitcase and never let it leave the side of my body again. Look at it. Oh my gosh. This is the Da Vinci? Claimed. We're going to get into that. But um, yes, this is what they bought. So how do you feel about this? Do you feel like you like it? Like, how do you feel about it? I am absolutely in love with it. Okay. I love just it. wait. Just wait. Just I wait. feel like the, oh my gosh. It's just so beautifully done. It's going to get better. Okay, go ahead. Alexander Parrish, the one who had the feeling, took this Salvador Mundi out of the cardboard shipping box and immediately saw that the face of Jesus was repainted or an attempted repair was done on the face. Yes. But some of the painting, like the left hand and the orb, some of the cloak were immediately recognizable as being period authentic, meaning from the 1500s. And by a master artist. I would literally die. I cannot even imagine having a Leonardo da Vinci in my suitcase. I know. Like, it's crazy. But this wasn't all the proof that they had, Kristen. Okay. I want you to read this quote from artdex.com. 
and there is an accompanying image. And all of this will be on our Instagram, and you can find us again at Treasure Podcast. I definitely suggest you check it out because it will make all of this make a lot more sense. Perfect. So Wenceslas Haller was one of the most prolific artists of his time for his drawings and etchings and reproduced decorative works by other artists. In 1650, he published a print based on a drawing he made of the Salvatore Mundi painting with the inscription, Leonardus da Vinci Pinxit. Translated means Leon... Leonardo da Vinci painted it in Latin. Mm -hmm. I literally just got goosebumps. The print itself was recorded in the Royal Collection Inventory as a piece of Christ done by Leonardo at 30... What does that mean? I don't know what that means. I have no idea what that means. I couldn't figure it out. (laughs) Anyways, yes. So this... So can you see the print? It's the black and white one. Oh my gosh. Yes, the print literally looks identical to the painting. Yes. And, okay, question. The painting that I'm looking at here on page two, um, is this face as it was when they found it? You said it looked like parts of the face were repainted. Is this image showing those repainted? Yes, page two is exactly how they found it. Okay. Good question. Again, we will post all of these. Yes. It looks definitely similar. Like, obviously, it was done after the same reference image. It's it's a copy. But, like, the shading, like, the eye sockets on the, repro- I mean, the, the um, supposed Leonardo painting as they found it, they look way deeper. The shadows on the nose look way different. The mouth... It's just less, it obviously looks like the same facial structure, but I would say it's tweaked just a bit. I totally, totally agree. But the cropping, totally the agree. framing, the orb, the benediction sign, the literal folds of the fabric, the overlapping, what is that, like a decorative, it almost looks like a, not a harness, but like a yeah, like that. thing. It does, it, look, um, it does look like ropes. a harness, but yeah, it looks like um, some sort of... <laughs> Harness brazier type thing, but I don't know. I guess that was like Jesus got holsters on. Exactly. Like it just is something. I I don't don't know know what that is, but (laughs) some of the other depictions of this Salvador Mundi, like Jesus, they don't have that on. And this one is just so identical. And just remember that they bought this painting for $1,175 and they decided to go all in on it. So these guys bring the painting to the most famed historical art conservationist of all time. Mr. Modestini has validated and restored art for most of the museums in the world. One being that painting that you brought up at the beginning. Oh my gosh, the other da Vinci? Ginevra da Vinci. I took three years of Italian. It hasn't paid off. Okay, But at this point, Mr. Mario Modestini is 98 years old, and he is a bit indisposed. His wife, Diane, 
who is Senior Research Fellow and Conservator of the Crest Program in Painting Conservation at the Conservation Center of the Institute of Fine Arts at New York University. Oh my gosh. (laughs) Put that on a name tag. (laughs) Yeah. Exactly. Uh, She was taking care of him, and she was extremely talented, just as he was, and... I mean, she was probably behind a ton of everything that he did, you know, like husband and wife working together doing the same thing. So Diane decided to take on this job of restoring this Salvador Mundi. Slowly, 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 she was beginning to remove the varnish or paint that someone else applied over the original painting And she almost immediately found that the thumb was originally painted in a different position. Gosh. So this is called a penament. A penament. And that's when, like, an artist messes up and they just, like, redo it. But I have, like, a really good description of it. And this is from, actually, her website that she created after this restoring process it's from salvador mundi revisited.com and it says a penimento means a change of mind it refers to corrections and alterations of the position of a particular part of composition made by the artist as part of the process of creation when making these changes the painter cancels his previous idea by covering it over with new paint to affect the revision after this was done the underlying paint which expressed his earlier idea was invisible wow. to the viewer so basically At this point, was she saying they weren't sure if the artist changed his mind with the thumb placement or if somebody painted over it intentionally? Very, very, very smart question, Kristen. She says, quote, you don't usually find that in a copy, but it's not proof that it's definitely the original. At least it wasn't proof for me. Like they're leaning that way, but it's not for sure. Oh, wow. That's that's crazy. Yeah, you're right, though. Like, if you're looking at a reference, even if you're looking at a model, like, you're painting things exactly as they are. It's like a copy wouldn't be like, oh, let me just fold this thumb a completely different way. Exactly. Yeah. Okay, so she removes the most outer layer of paint and finds that this Salvador Mundi painting is in a very, very sad state of affairs. It was painted on a wood board that had a knot in it. And the knot is like kind of where Jesus's belly button would be. Oh my gosh, I can kind of see it. And over time, from that knot, the wood warped, subsequently basically splitting the painting and Jesus's face like in half. Then to add insult to injury, someone also tried to repair it with some type of white paste like a caulk type material. I want to punch them in the face. <laughs> I thought you would think that that was so crazy. I mean, it is just insane. Oh my gosh. Okay, Kristen, I literally took a video 
of my TV so that you could see this because the transition that she does of this painting is absolutely unbelievable. And I don't know if I can share this because of copyright again, but uh, we will. I will definitely post before and after pictures on our Instagram. Kristen, yes, you are allowed to go to page what four? I'm so excited. Okay, four. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. I am like at a loss for words. This is absolutely incredible. Yeah. Okay. Got it. Basically, they were saying it was an amateur paint job. Amateur browns and reds. They're wiping it off while removing it with solvents, I guess. And boom. It must be very stressful. I don't know. I just would never be able to do it. But I do appreciate it very much. In the, like... The before and after pictures. The yes. after picture, he's looking pretty rough. Am yeah, I right? that looks rough. Mm-hmm. That looks rough. And this is why the Antiques Ugh. Roadshow always tells you to never repair anything. Just, like, don't touch it. If you're not yes. an expert, yes. etc. Yes. Like, do not put white cock stuff in this... Uh, maybe Leonardo da Vinci painting. Like, don't do that. That's just, like, out. Straight out. So Mrs. Diane Modestini calls Robert, half of the dynamic duo who bought the painting originally, and she tells him, come over and see this. After seeing it, he knows this painting is really important, and she feels the same way, too. Okay. And so he just says do it like let's restore it let's get it back to how it should be and Kristen this takes years to do like I think that she worked on this painting for like four to five years oh my gosh and she was already like how old like 90 or 80 something at that point no that's her husband her husband was that old okay 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 um, and he was the one who like validated those all of those paintings but they were like BFFs, work together. She has all of those titles. She's like a little bit younger than him, and she was taking care of gotcha, him at gotcha. the time. I would like to tell everyone that if they are able to watch this documentary, The Lost Leonardo, they definitely should. But you don't have to watch the whole entire thing. I am going to begin at 11 minutes, 12 seconds for Kristen. This is the part that I find most important. So, Mario Modestini has just passed away. His sweet wife Diane is so sad and begins restoring this painting. And she says that Mario was with her the whole time. And she also says that she didn't talk to him out loud, which probably means that she was talking to him out loud the entire time. <laughs> it was so sad. Oh my gosh, that makes me want to cry. I literally have cried. <laughs> watch it if you can, and if you are unable to, I'm going to let Kristen watch it right now, just this little thing clip that I okay. took off my TV, and then I am going to actually have her read exactly what this woman said, okay. but I really want you to watch it first okay. before you read so that 
you kind of get the overall vibe. And Kristen is going to read exactly what she just listened to, uh, which is Diane's account of this realization. She says, one evening I am wrestling for the 10th time with a small loss, which is just above the lip right here, gestures to the area under her right nose hole. And there is a transition from the lip to the upper lip that is imperceptible. There's no line there for the edge of the lip and that is exactly what is present in the same area of the Mona Lisa. My hands are shaking. No one except Leonardo could have painted this picture. Fabulous. I don't know. I feel like seeing her say it is so moving. You kind of see when she's recounting the story, you kind of see where her mind just clicked. Like she kind of went from, I don't know, it could be. I don't know, maybe to where she's like really diving in the painting and she's like this skill, this color, this imperceptible level of mastery, like above the... Exactly. Yeah. It, it was cool to see her in the video understand she's convinced. I just, I would just be so inhibited by the fear of ruining it that I couldn't, I could not take a brush to it. I love this woman, Diane. She's amazing. She is a treasure. And it's also super sad that her, you know, beloved human being, uh, Mario, passed away, like, right before this. So she was really just, like, throwing herself into this project, really trying to get it done, just kind of to take her mind off what she was thinking about. Well, and it's sad, too, that the whole time she was probably thinking, like, Oh, if he could, if Mario could only have been here to see this, like their whole career, that probably would have just been the pinnacle of their career. But he was with her in spirit. Is she still alive? I think she is. Oh my gosh. We need to get her on the pod. Yeah, we got to get her on the pod 100%. I bet she would do that. But um, <laughs> she's gotten like a lot of like hate over this because, you know, some people think that it's not real. Some people do think that it's real. They're, they're mad at her for, like, restoring it, and they're like, this painting is, like, over 90% uh, just Diane's work, which is not true, number one. Number two, layoff. Why are you being such an asshole right now? It makes me mad. Well, and it's like how I feel like you don't understand the amount of work that goes exactly. in – First of all, restoring a painting is not coming up with your own your own spin on it. Like she just said, she's looking at these transition shades and filling them in, and she's blocking in what's already there or what's supposed to be there, like hints of it. I don't know. I just – I could never do it. I'm fully convinced this is a Leonardo. Fully convinced. She's doing her best job that she can do. And these people are hating on her. And like, I just can't even give them any more time. Yeah. So, yes, stating that this raggedy painting is the original Salvador Mundi painted by Leonardo da Vinci himself is a pretty strong assertion of treasure. <laughs> and if this is true, this is a long, 
lost treasure. This would only be like the 16th work accredited to Leonardo da Vinci. Oh my goodness. He has a lot of those books, like his notebooks. Yeah, of his like inventions and stuff. Exactly. With his inventions, his little like doodle drawing things that aren't really doodles. They're like masterpieces. Mm -hmm. This would be one of 16 paintings that would be attributed to him. And this is big. It's an, it's absolutely incredible. It's incredible. I love Diane for bringing this to its true glory. She's, look at it. She did outstanding work. I totally agree. Oh, sorry, listeners. For those of you that obviously can't <laughs> see, it's outstanding work. <laughs> yes. But go um, to our Instagram and see it there. So when Diane figures all of this out, she obviously calls up the owners and she tells them what she has discovered, that this has to be an authentic Leonardo da Vinci painting. Although it's really messed up, it is what it is. And then all hell breaks loose. Because what are they going to do with this painting? Number one, no one is going to believe that it is a real Leonardo da Vinci. Oh, seeing as one hasn't surfaced in well over 100 years. Number two, they don't have good provenance. What is provenance, you may ask? I have no idea. It's basically a piece of art's birth certificate and all of its passport stamps. So like where it's been, who's bought it, and they want to be able to trace it all the way back to like the art's inception, like when the artist was working on it in the studio. And they're able to do this with a lot of art pieces, but we're not able to do that with this one. So I wonder if you know this, because I did not know this, and it this is so interesting to me. Paintings are qualified on this scale, and we will use Leonardo da Vinci as an example. So number one, it would be the hand of the master. So that would be Leonardo himself. Number two, the workshop of Leonardo. He, mm -hmm. So he was like guiding a student on the work and mm -hmm. some of it could have been done by Leonardo. Number three, the circle of Leonardo. Followers that did work in the style or manner of Leonardo and then number four, followers of Leonardo, which would mean doing an interpretation slash rendering of the original, but in their own personal style. So like it totally doesn't look anything like the original. That basically means like using inspiration. I don't know. Gotcha. I thought that was so interesting did you know that yeah I knew that back in the day so like sometimes it would be like oh an artist has 300 and something paintings attributed to them and you're like how on earth could they paint that in this short amount of time and they would have exactly. like a patron um like a really rich family or a royal family and they would work in like a guild and so there would be like a master artist there and then all these people working under them in the guild so like they might have one person sketching out the whole background and then somebody else painting the whole background like I'm not saying at all this is what was done in the Mona Lisa but 
like for an example, a student or someone working at the guild could have done the entire background and then Leonardo could have just done like the subject of the painting. So, and then it would still be credited to Leonardo. Oh, I have an example of the Mona Lisa as that. Oh my gosh, really? Yes. Oh, wow. So. Yes. Kristen, the real question becomes, is this actually a real Leonardo da Vinci? And a lot of people in the artwork still do not think that it is. But the dynamic duo, Robert and Alexander, totally believe that they have struck gold. They took the restored Salvador Mundi all over the world to be confirmed and authenticated by experts. And honestly, everyone really wanted it to be another Leonardo. So I think that in total, they had seven real experts um, look at it. Two said, yay, definitely a Leonardo. One of them was kind of in the middle. And... Two said nay, and then another one from the nay group went to the yay group. So, oh my god, they really have no I'm idea. Con- I'm, you know what I'm I mean? Convinced. I think it's because I also want it to be a Leonardo, but it's pretty impressive though that at least some of them weren't like, no, absolutely not. Like they were, they're sold on it. They think it's real. Like that gives me hope, and they're experts. Oh, some of them are 100% sold on it, like to the point that they're like willing to stake their lives on it. Wow. The thing is that this image is why all of those other images that I showed you at the beginning. Yes. Exist. (gasps) He was the first Salvador Mundi. They found like in his journals kind of like practice sheets of the sleeves and the orb. (gasps) See, that's proof to me. That's proof enough. There you go. Exactly. But like he never signed it, whatever. Also, I did talk about the wood previously. Um, It had a knot in the middle down where like Jesus's belly button would be. And some people say that Leonardo would never have ever in his life painted on something with a knot in it because he was such a perfectionist, you know? Yeah, which when you first brought that up, that was something. And I was like, uh, my thing is like, what if this was an, a practice on oil? I mean, on panel and there's like, I know, I don't know, something else out there. Yeah, and I wonder if the knot wasn't even really there or like noticeable when he was working on it and then over time just with the wood warping and stuff. I mean, I I haven't seen pictures of the knot. Would he have been able to not see it or is it like super obvious? I I mean, I Kristen, I am not an artist, but I do feel like it's pretty obvious at this point. But obviously there are no pictures from the 1500s. I don't think it wouldn't be obvious. Yeah. And I also read another article that said something about the way that the backing of the painting, it like is with these very thin strips of wood, like trying to keep it. Warping. 
Yes, exactly. From warping, they're like, I, I can't remember what they're called, like willows or something. I don't know. And yeah, they're basically like trying to keep it from warping. Those are actually numbered. This one has the number 102, which correlates with like where this thing was made and basically puts it 100% in the time zone of Leonardo da Vinci. Oh my gosh, that's amazing. Oh, yeah. so right now I just pulled up a picture of the eyes, uh, like a close up of the eyes from this painting. Mm-hmm. I'm a th- I'm a thousand percent sold. Like it looks just like his other works, indisputably so. And I just love to believe in a treasure. Like Me too. these guys found a real live treasure in New Orleans for one thousand one hundred seventy three dollars. And it became the highest selling piece of art that this world has ever known. Like, it's so insane that um, this has happened. Who bought it? Okay, here we go. So this is where the story gets so twisty and twirly. And I think we need a break. So we will be right back with this craziness. Are you ready? Because it really does go in a direction that you're not expecting. Oh, no. So this painting sat in limbo really for many years. No one would touch it with a 10-foot pole, basically. No museums, collectors, no one would buy it. And a lot of the reason is because there was like a lot of talk in the art world about how most of this painting is redone by Diane. So they're just saying that she like is able to copy Leonardo or something like that. This really hurts her feelings. Like, she's very sad about this. And so, according to SalvadorMundiRevisited.com, in early 2016, a story appeared in The New Yorker revealing that the owner was a Russian oligarch, Dmitry <laughs> Ryobolev. It was a tangled tale. Rybolov had purchased the painting along with many other primary 20th century paintings through a Swiss intermediary, Bouvier. Yves Bouvier, he wanted to be the middleman in all of these purchases for this, like, billionaire Russian, Mr. I'm never going to be able to say it right. But it's R-Y-B-O-L-O-V-L-E-V. So yeah, Yves Bouvier, he owns all of these free ports, which is, you know, when you fly like international, you can like get stuff at the airport, like the international airport, and you don't have to pay taxes on it or whatever. I will take your word on it. I've never been international. Oh, well, yeah, that's a thing. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Kristen. 
well, we're going soon. But no, yeah, that's how that works. And that's kind of what these free ports were that he owns. Um, they're like these gigantic, fabulous buildings that you can, you know, park your boat and Ferrari and all of this kind of stuff in and kind of like save it there and then can go pick it up and you like don't have to pay taxes on it for some reason. I don't really understand that part of it. He is like kind of shady. This the Russian guy believed that Bouvier was acting as his agent, taking a 2% commission. But in reality, Bouvier was buying paintings directly from owners and immediately flipping them to Rybolo for a huge markup. He's a dirty Within scumbag. a few years, Yves Bouvier had pocketed $1 billion. I don't even know how many $1 billion is. Can you believe $1 billion. I can't fathom a billion dollars. That's really extremely bad. Yeah. That's terrible. Okay, so 12 of these sales were brokered by Sotheby's. In the case of the Salvador Mundi, which was typical of these transactions, Bouvier bought the painting for $83 million and sold it. Like buying it for? Yeah. Basically to the person he was like supposed okay. to be he buys it for 83 million sells it basically sells it back to Rye the <laughs> Russian I don't want to insult any of our Russian listeners I'm just not good at pronouncing things so please stick with me so he bought it for 83 million sold it to our fabulous Russian uh he sold it to him the following day uh, one hundred and twenty-seven oh million dollars. Wait, so he was like the middleman, and like was like, "Yeah, I'm gonna get this painting for you, and this is how much they're asking." And it was really his own, exactly. like lining his own pockets. Okay, wow, exactly. Yeah, yeah, he would tell. Um, his name is actually Dimitri. I should probably just say that, but Dimitri, yeah, uh, Dimitri. the one with the hard last name, Bouvier would tell Dimitri, he would say, okay, yeah, they're asking for like $100 million, but I'm definitely going to get it to you for cheaper. And then it would inevitably go up. But actually, he they yeah, yeah, yeah. only paid um, $87 million. $80 million something. So yeah, he's which pocketing like, like 37 or whatever, $1,000. I mean, million dollars. Like, yeah, can you imagine? Like- that seems outlandish. That seems to like even have that amount but, of money yeah. to begin with. Um, it's pretty smart though, especially if your buyer and seller don't speak <laughs> the same language, and like you're the only person in the middle. Like, I'd be like, yeah, that's exactly what he like did. Yeah, I mean, hundred million dollars. <laughs> exactly, a uh, Bouvier, the the middleman. He actually does appear in the documentary that I want everyone to watch, but I don't know. You can just kind of tell he's a shady kind of dude. When Dimitri discovered that he had been cheated out of money, he became so angry and disillusioned that he decided to sell his entire collection of paintings. 
um, he was so pissed that someone said that he was like a great big Russian bear ready to attack. (laughs) Which is very scary. And Kristen, when I am telling you that this man owned paintings that are like to die for. Some by Gauguin from 1893, Picasso from 1970, a Rothko from four, uh, I mean, 1949. My gosh. And way more than that. He had so many paintings from amazing masters, and that's why he wanted the Leonardo. He wanted it to be just like the kind of cherry on top of his amazing collection of Curated artwork. Curated collection. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't blame him. Oh, I don't either. Um, but he did end up suing Bouvier for fraud in various jurisdictions. Um, and they are still <laughs> going to court over this. Like these charges are like this whole thing is still oh my ongoing. Gosh. Um, and this happened in 2016. So, so recent, like, yeah. So since the Russian bear has all of these <laughs> other masterworks that he is wanting to just offload, just as you said. Just get rid of. He's done with the art world. All of the auction houses on the planet Earth are basically trying to do backflips to get him to, like, sign with them, I guess. Like, you know, give this particular auction house the paintings. So, because they get commissions and all that kind of stuff. Sotheby's is completely out because he got kind of screwed over by them with... Bouvier, but Christie's auction house wins. Where where is that? So, if you don't know, Christie's is a British auction firm, especially known for the sale of art. It was founded by James Christie in London in 1766 and became one of the world's leading auction houses. The art world is basically run by Christie's and Sotheby's. So, oh, okay, Sotheby's sounds familiar. Christie's, I don't know. Maybe it's just because it's such a generic name. I don't know. It didn't stand out to me ever. Christie's really wants to be able to obtain all of this man's artwork, which he is willing to offload and get rid of. But The only problem is that the one black sheep of this man's treasure trove of art is the Salvador Mundi. Oh, no. (laughs) Yeah, because it it has this black, you know, it has this shadow over it. No one really knows, like, what is happening with it. Okay. So Christie's comes up with a genius plan. They look to the past. Oh, I'm so excited to hear it. Before 1960, the Mona Lisa did not have near amount the fans, like amount of fans as she does now. Ah. Um, She was not even that like notable. And then in 1961, the Kennedys go to Paris. Okay. This guy, some guy like basically just like swoons over uh, Jackie O., 
And voila, the Mona Lisa comes to America and is in the White House. Oh my gosh, I didn't know that. I didn't know that either. And that's basically how the Mona Lisa like gained her, you know, so much not- like notoriety. Or Wow. Is that yeah. is that the right word? Notability yeah. or notoriety? Yeah. Notability. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. I was like, notability, notoriety. I'm not sure. Okay. Um, So I found this quote so interesting and very relevant. Um, Most of the people who were coming to see the Mona Lisa were not coming to see the painting. They were coming to have seen it. Uh, Just to say, oh, I've been there. Not to actually see the thing itself. Yeah. Exactly. And Kristen... Now I am going to tell you, I have seen the Mona Lisa in person. Oh, I'm so jealous. We went to the Louvre in Paris with my dad. And it is the small, like, I did not think that it was going to be as small as it was. Yeah. It's a very, very small painting. It's, like, probably, like, an 8 by 10 or 8 by 11. Um, it's really small. This was obviously before, like, the great COVID happened. But uh, people were just piled in this room. Yeah. Like, I found so many other things in the Louvre, like, so much more <laughs> in, just interesting, impressive, comfortable. Like, I didn't have to feel like I was being, like, you know, smushed up against other people. Yeah. But I have seen it in person. I can say that. My dream is to, yeah, go to the Louvre one day. But... It's kind of interesting. Like, I, I am really wanting to see the Mona Lisa, but it's 100% like the quote. It's like, I want to go to say I've gone there. I, like, I want to see it in person, but I mainly just want to be like, I saw it in person. Like, I can look it up on the internet. I know it's not the same at all, but it's like, I don't know. It makes me think, why do I want to go there? Do I want to go there just to say? So with this information, Christie's forms a plan. Oh, Kristen, they dub this, this painting, the male Mona Lisa and advertise the crapola out of it. And their marketing game is absolutely genius. Okay, this is I have like literally been waiting to show you this video. Kristen, you are going to just Okay, so I want you to watch the entire thing. This is the advertisement. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. Are these real people looking at the painting? Yeah, so this is also titled The Last Da Vinci and you never see the painting in this advertisement. No, like I'm literally teary eyed watching this. Yeah. Like watching them it watch it. How, yeah. One hundred percent. Yeah. These are people that are just affected so deeply by seeing this painting. And Oh no, I, I mean, can't do it. I already have tears coming out. Can you see them? Yeah. I'm gonna squish them out. Like I'm about to weep with just watching these people see this thing. 
Oh, it's Leonardo DiCaprio. Did you see him? Yeah, they had to add him in there, yeah. I guess, because it's a Leonardo <laughs> da Vinci. I wonder if he, like, was asked to come or if he just went and they, like, got him on video. I know. I wonder that, too. These people are just overcome with emotions. And the thing that's genius about it is they're not trying to say, come buy this. Um, like, exactly. this is a da Vinci. Come buy it. It's like, come decide for yourself. We're not going to tell you what to think. Like, you're going to have to come see it and make your own assumption. You know, it's like they're exactly. not. Exactly. We have a da Vinci. Yeah. I feel like that um, video makes you feel like the image is genuine because these people are feeling genuine. Um, all of those people. I mean, it had to be how many people? At least 35 were feeling genuine emotions. Yeah. And so it makes you feel a yeah. genuine emotion just about the painting in general. And it kind of makes you think that the painting is genuine. I feel like it 100% is. I've seen, like, obviously really great art in real life, but when you see something done by, like, the masters, it's just, it can be overwhelming. It literally can be overwhelming. It's like your soul, it resonates with your soul, and you just know in your gut that it's that it's it, you know? Uh, where is it currently located? Okay, so... Christie's is literally insanely genius doing this advertisement. It's one of the best advertisements I've ever seen in my life. Agreed. They do not show a picture. They don't even show a glimpse of the painting that they are advertising. And they're just showing people's emotions when they see it, right? Yeah. Yep. And a lot of people are overwhelmed with tears. Some people, it, it's almost like they're looking at it skeptically. Some look like they're just purely there to analyze it. Like, let me just see for myself. Um, and uh, there were a couple that... Some even know. seem shocked. Yeah. Yes. Yep. That's a perfect word. Yeah. Yeah. Just like kind of frozen in just awe. And yeah, so... Yeah. Christie's puts this out. They um, advertise this as the male Mona Lisa. And so now it is the big day, baby. This is coming up to auction. The entire, like the Christie's auction house was packed to the brim. More people in there that has, than has ever been in there. Everyone was talking about this. New York Post, Washington Times, like the big newspapers, everybody was talking about it. But absolutely no one expected what would happen next. One of the uh, kind of like, I don't know what to call him, but he's like um, someone who is very knowledgeable about art sales he estimated that it would go for 190 million dollars which would which would be the most expensive art piece ever sold at christie's so but as i said no one expected what would happen next so in the auction house 
it's going back and forth between these two people on the phone. You know how they do that thing on the phone? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, like there are those like representatives. They're on the phone and there's one like and then he's like, okay, 300 million. And you're like, okay. And so then, Kristen, this painting, it goes back and forth. It gets sold at the end for $450 million, making it the most valuable painting uh. and or piece of art in the, in the history of the modern world. While some still question its authenticity. Exactly. So, like, of course we want to believe it's real, but it's like, what if it's not? You just spent $430 million. Exactly. I guess at that point it would just be pocket change to you anyway. So If you're spending, you like, really $450 million, I'm not sure what is going on with you. So it was bought in November of 2017 by the Saudi culture minister, Prince Badar bin Abulah. And he apparently bought it, allegedly, bought it for the Louvre. Oh, they made a new Louvre oh. in Dubai. But no one knew that this person bought this painting um, at the time that it was sold. So everyone was like, oh, my gosh, who could who spent yeah. $450 million on this painting. Oh, my gosh. Ooh, ooh. Like, people were freaking out over it. Yeah. After years of not knowing who owned this painting, the original Louvre in France was doing um, a exhibition for Leonardo because it was like his, I don't know, like... Super old birthday. Yeah, like super old birthday or like death day, one of those. And so it was anonymously promised that the Salvador Mundi would be there. And the Louvre said, yeah, it was completely anonymous. Like they were perplexed. They had no idea who they would be dealing with. They changed all of their hallways, like, you know, so that all the Leonardos would be prominently displayed. They borrowed them from other museums. And at the end of the entire exhibit, they had a gigantic wall that had a place for the Salvador Mundi. So they're totally expecting this to show up. Then... Oh, no. A, yeah, a day before, they get some sort of information that the person wants the Salvador Mundi to be directly across from the Mona Lisa. So, like, that they're looking at each other. Oh, my gosh. And they're, like, the Louvre is, like, no. We've rearranged our entire setup for this painting, and you can't tell us one day before that you're demanding this. <laughs> exactly. And also, it's, like, the Mona Lisa has her own room. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. The Salvador Mundi painting would have its own room. And it's like at the end of the exhibit. It's at like a really good place. Like it's, you know, the finale kind of. If yeah, you were yeah, thinking yeah. about it in like a fireworks type of way. So this anonymous person would not like just straight up did not send it to oh the Louvre. Gosh. 
And so they still don't know who it is? People have kind of like sussed out that they're pretty sure that it's this prince from Saudi Arabia. Okay. Also, it's so weird that he bought it, even in general, because their um, religion, they don't believe in Jesus. And this is a depiction of this is a depiction of Jesus. Well, they believe in him as what, a person? They're not not... allowed to show a picture of Jesus. That's what I was going to say. I didn't think they were allowed to have any kind of like iconography. This prince who bought this painting I don't feel like he had any real intentions of displaying the Salvador Mundi. He, um, he like, you know, kept it away from the original Louvre in France. And I don't know. I feel like he just yeah. kind of holds it hostage because he knows that he can. You know what I mean? Like, it's kind of like a power move. You're kidding me. And that's the last time anyone's ever seen it. At the auction was the last time people saw it. Yeah, the last time people saw it. Like, no one oh knows where it is. Goodness. So people just think it's packed up and put in, like, you know, either spare bedroom, closet, or a storage building somewhere. Like, it's just sitting and waiting. We need to get him on the podcast and be like, look, it's <laughs> you. That would be so fun. That makes me so sad, though. Like seeing, okay, the advertisement we saw from Christie's, it like hits even harder knowing that these people, they're probably crying their eyes out even more now thinking like, oh, I was one of the last people on planet Earth to ever see this thing. Yeah, one of, you know, basically the only people um, that were able to see it. It Oh my gosh. I thought at the end of this show, I thought we were going to be able to be like, yeah, let's plan a trip to... Paris or whatever it is and go look at it. Oh, this is really disappointing. I know. Unfortunately, we cannot. We have to go to Abu Dhabi, knock on the door. We could just be like, hey, listen, we're trying to find where this painting is. And he would probably be like, oh, that one? Like, I feel like he does not even care or anything about it. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's like it's irrelevant to his life. He, like you said, packed it up and it's kind of out of sight. Yeah, out of inconsequential. Mind. It doesn't matter that he How spent four hundred and fifty million dollars on it. That doesn't matter at all. That probably breaks Diane's heart. The lady that restored it. It does. Can you imagine all of your hard work? Like not even, not even just your hard work, but just realizing like this is a Leonardo, like this is a treasure, and then some guy just packs it up, never to be seen again. It 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 what a jerk. One hundred percent breaks her heart, and at the, you can kind of see that throughout the um, documentary that I watched. She was so broken hearted over all of this that she made that website that has one hundred percent the most perfect information on it. It's called Revisiting Salvador Mundi. Okay. And part of Diane has to feel good, though. Like, somebody f- spent $430 million on my painting. Well, not my I painting, know. but you know what I mean. Like, her hard work restoring it. Exactly, but it really is – it's like her baby. Yes, yes. She's a 1,000% invested in it. Well, and it's kind of like a slap to all the haters. Like, okay, you thought it was worthless. It's the most expensive art ever sold. And honestly, at that point – It's almost like, okay, a lie gets told so many times that it becomes the truth. It's almost the same thing. If 
if so many people believe it's the real thing, even if it's not, if it holds the idea, we aren't physically there watching Leonardo paint. We treasure his paintings because we imagine him there. We know the time and effort into making this. And so it's like, even if it is a fake, are we really just kind of worshiping our idea of it in the end anyway? So you know what I'm saying? Like the $430 million. Exactly. I know exactly what you're saying. Like, or I keep saying 430, it's 450. Oh, that's fine. Oh, well, yeah. pocket change. Who cares about that 20 mil? Yeah, yeah. don't don't just like knock off that uh, 20 million. <laughs> no, I know exactly what you're saying. It's our perception is reality. So like, yes, if we perceive these things to be great pieces of art, then they are. And we can, it like, I could find literally a piece of trash on the side of the road and be like, you know, this is made by (laughs) Jackson Pollock. And, (laughs) you know, if it got enough hype, especially right now, like I feel like that is such a topic that is so relevant for right now because of social media and how being just like popular online makes you feel like you're worth more than other people. Yeah, it's like you're I, the idea of you. Exactly. Yeah. I I am brokenhearted about this painting. I know. Not being available to see. I know. It I, is. I did not expect this to end like this. And I'm so sorry that I did not leave you with a golden treasure. <laughs> but, oh, One more thing I did want to tell you. So I saw one article that said they did like kind of like DNA um, investigation on it. Like they took literal like scrapings from the painting. What? I didn't even know that was possible. Yeah. Like they took like in like just the smallest little scrapings. So like you can't tell that anything has happened to it, obviously. And I also read they like to do it outside of the frame because they'll be able to get DNA from whoever put that frame on. What? Wait, but how, I know. How so do they psychopath. Compa- like, are they it's so it to crazy. Leonardo's other paintings or like the DNA on those? They're comparing the paint to known 1500 paint mixtures. Is that what you, one would call it? Yes. Yeah, so like when the oil, when the artist would like crush the pigments down, combine it with oil, like are they comparing the DNA of the paint exactly. or are they finding human DNA in the They paint? are comparing the paint, number one. That was their main thing, but they are also okay. looking for human DNA to see if they can like match. Yeah. Yeah, like they said that you only need 10 cells of human DNA to like make a profile so then they can do like reverse 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 uh matching with this dna so they could find his you know great great grandchildren first if it is da vinci oh my gosh yes and then work backwards like it's just incredible what we can do now that would be amazing i believe that you and i will see this painting again in our lifetime we must. And I have loved doing this with you today. Thank you, Riley. Even though I was disappointed in the end, I am hopeful that we'll see it eventually. 
I want to thank all of our listeners for listening to Treasure the Podcast. And again, follow us on Instagram at Treasure Podcast. Oh, yeah. Reach out to us on Gmail. We definitely want to hear all of your your personal treasures, your treasures you want to tell us about. And you could totally be on an episode of our podcast. Leave us a rating and a review and give us a follow wherever you listen. 